You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Welcome to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. Today we're going to turn our attention to 1 Corinthians 14.20 where the Apostle Paul writes and says, Brothers, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. In other words, just because you have been in a church service where you experienced something emotional doesn't mean you lay down your brain. It is important that you understand that God's ways are very, very rational and intelligent and that uh, you don't have to lose your mind to be a believer. The things of God were given to be administered with wisdom. And unfortunately, there has been a divorce between the wisdom of God and the things of the Spirit in many, many circles. Years ago, I heard people say, I know God told me to do this, and I know it was silly, but that just the Lord. I did what the Lord wanted me to do. And I heard people say this all the time. They were always blaming the Lord for silly things that they did. And I begin to read in Proverbs, and I want you to listen to this. This is Proverbs chapter 8, and I'm going to read just a bit of it. The whole chapter would be a good read, but uh, Proverbs chapter 8, let me begin with verse 1. Does not wisdom cry out, and understanding lift up her voice? She takes her stand on top of the high hill, beside the way where the paths meet. She cries out by the gates at the entry of the city, at the entrance of the doors. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O you simple ones, understand prudence, and you fools, be of an understanding heart. Listen, for I will speak of excellent things, and from the opening of my lips will come right things. For my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing is crooked or perverse in them. They are all plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies and all the things that one may desire cannot be compared with her. How in the world did wisdom cry out in the gates? It's really simple. In the gates of the Jewish towns, back in the second temple period, and even before, people would stand and teach, or they would preach at the gates. They would give instruction. The wise men were teachers there, and near the gates of the city where business was conducted, there were judges who administered wisdom there, settled disputes there. So wisdom was constantly going forth in public places back in the days of the Scriptures. Now, wisdom then was speaking excellent things. And what I want you to see is that wisdom was crying out. Now, when I am looking at this, I'm saying to myself, okay, is this wisdom that's speaking, is this another member of the Trinity? No. No, it isn't. This is the voice of the Holy Spirit. The voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of wisdom should never be separated. And unfortunately what happens is that people have done some very foolish things, things that didn't work, things that were destructive and harmful, 
and they blamed it on the Holy Spirit and said, He told me to do this. But I would say this to you, if it is not wisdom, it is not from God. God never leads us to do anything that is foolish, never leads us to do anything that is stupid. Listen, the devil tempted Jesus to jump from the pinnacle of the temple, but Jesus knew the word. Now, Satan tried to confuse him by saying the angels will catch you, but Jesus knew that had he jumped, he would be violating a spiritual principle. He would be tempting the Lord. So he quotes the word back to Satan and says, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And he shut down that temptation. Thank God he didn't jump because he knows something else. Psalm 37 says to us, The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. God doesn't lead us to take leaps. God leads us in steps and stages. How many people have ruined themselves financially because they took a big financial leap? They bought into something that they were not able to handle. They took on responsibility for something that they could not manage. It was way over their heads, and they lost all. What did they do? They didn't listen to wisdom. They listened to what they thought was the Holy Spirit, but they didn't know how to recognize the Holy Spirit's voice because they didn't take the time to understand the teachings of Scripture. The Holy Spirit will never act, nor will He inspire us to act, apart from the teaching of Scripture. His words always are wisdom, very much so. All right? Now, the wisdom of God is different than the wisdom of man. It is a little different. He may lead us to do things that are unorthodox. Now pay attention to this statement. God may lead you to do something unorthodox, but it will never be stupid. There's a brilliance in it. Let me give it to you, okay? Moses was going to be killed. His mother had to do something with him to get him out of the house. So she made a little basket, pitched it with tar so it would float, and she put him in the bulrushes along the Nile River where he wouldn't float out into the middle, and he happened to be found by Pharaoh's daughter. Was it foolishness? No, it was wisdom. Number one, it saved his life. But number two, it was the way that God used to put Moses into the house of the Pharaoh so that he could be trained to be a mighty leader. Brilliance. David went out to fight Goliath with a sling. Foolish? No. Very brilliant. Because David was overlooked by Goliath, and it allowed him to get within close enough proximity to sling a stone into the forehead of the giant. Brilliant plan. Jehoshaphat put worshipers at the front of the army. Foolish? Not really, because he didn't open the gate and march out into a battle scene. The battle was miles away. But because he put the worshipers there, he had time for God to act. And by the time they got to the battlefield, God had already acted and destroyed the enemy armies. So it was a brilliant move. Naaman was told to dip seven times in the Jordan River. Foolish? Not really. It was an act of humility. Naaman's big problem was pride. God wanted to bring him low so he could receive. When Naaman dipped in a dirty river of muddy water, it was a way of humbling him. 
And it was the healing of God that brought about his healing. It was not the Jordan River. It was his obedience. And so it was a brilliant plan. The whole world was in the power of the prince of darkness with enemies spiritually all over the globe and the heavens filled with the prince of the power of the air and demons of every class. But God sent his son as a baby, a helpless baby to enter this world. Is it unorthodox? Absolutely. But it was absolutely brilliant because they couldn't find the baby. They lost track of him. He defeated the forces of darkness through crucifixion. Was that stupid? No, it wasn't. Was it unorthodox? Yes, but it was the brilliance of God. So what I want you to see is in the beginning, God's ways may appear to be foolish, but in the end, their wisdom is undeniable. Now, when God used speaking in tongues as a sign that people were filled with the Holy Spirit, it may have seemed foolish at first because people criticized it, said they're drinking. But the city was filled with people from all over the Roman Empire who spoke a variety of different languages. And when these believers, 120 of them, began to speak in other tongues, not all of them were understood by people who were nearby, but all the people around heard at least somebody speaking in a language that they understood. These people were really speaking in languages. So the fact that they were speaking in known languages, maybe not known by the speaker, but known by the hearers, there was no denying that these were real languages. Nobody could criticize this and say, speaking with tongues is invalid. They just didn't know what it meant. They did know that these people were glorifying God and speaking of the marvelous works of God. So they had a question, Acts 2.12. They were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Simon Peter stepped up and was on hand to explain the phenomenon and to point the people to Christ. Then he began to quote scripture to support his claims. And the results confirmed the events of the day. At the end, there were 3,000 people who came to faith because of Peter's sermon. So I want you to see that when we take tongues out into the public square, they must be interpreted. Even when we are praying in our tongues in private, the full measure of their effect is not known until they are interpreted. So I want to show you from 1 Corinthians 14 what I call the interpretation sandwich. Here we go. Verse 13, Therefore let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. You know, I have found down through the years when I am praying in the Holy Spirit, my mind will go toward things and I'll begin to see answers to problems that I didn't know. And I'll have ideas I've never had before. That's not just my mind, that's really my spirit. The Holy Spirit is enlightening my spirit. Now my understanding doesn't know what I'm praying, but that doesn't mean my spirit cannot receive. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So my mind doesn't understand all these words, but that doesn't mean there is no interpretation. We pray that the interpretation would come. Now, let's look at verse 19. 
Paul said, in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. So saying in a public setting, speaking in tongues doesn't do the people any good, not unless there is an interpretation. But that's not the most efficient way to communicate. So he isn't discouraging speaking with tongues. He's discouraging speaking in tongues as the lead way of communicating in a service where other people are gathered. Then he is telling us, brothers, don't be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. And then he goes on to say, in the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak to this people. And yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. So he tells us that people will reject tongues if that's what we lead with. And he is saying that if they are going to be used, they have to be interpreted. Now, let's go to verse 22. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you're out of your mind? See, that's something we want to avoid. There's a lot of people who don't have any thought whatsoever about the baby Christians or the unbelievers who may come into their services. They don't care. That's wrong. That's that's a spirit of malice, actually. Paul says, don't be uh, 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 in malice concerning other people. When you don't care about what happens to them, you're in malice. You should have a concern about people who are near you. I remember I had a stepfather who didn't believe in speaking with tongues. He came from a denominational church. And we would go to visit different churches at different times. I was trying to get him and my mother back in church. And as we would go, it just seemed like this happened every single time. Somebody would stand up and do something absolutely crazy in the service that was so selfish, unscriptural, pointed attention to them that it made him never want to come back again. It made no sense whatsoever. It was absolutely ridiculous. And yet they thought, this is the Holy Spirit. I have no doubt in my mind that a false spirit inspired these people and made them think that they had to do this. I don't think they were evil. I don't think they meant wrong. I think they were just foolish in the way they manifested what they did. So what I want you to see is that we should always have a concern for how the unbeliever receives. Now let's keep going. If all prophesy and an unbeliever, an uninformed person comes in, he's convinced by all, he's convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly in you. Now, listen carefully. This is very, very important. Speaking in tongues with the interpretation is considered to be the same thing as prophecy. So here... The Apostle Paul says if someone comes in and we speak with tongues and there's an unbeliever and there's no interpretation to follow, they'll say you're mad. But if all prophesy, or I might add here, but if the tongue is interpreted, the unbeliever or the uninformed person comes in and he is convinced. The interpretation very often is something that is so spot on that it speaks to the very heart of the person who's sitting there who may be critical. Now look at verse 27. 
If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most by three each in turn and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. Let him speak to himself and to God. Very clear. Tongues without interpretation leads to confusion. And so we should pray for interpretation if tongues are ever going to be used in a public service. In this setting, I believe Paul is talking to smaller bodies of believers gathered together in house churches, which is where things can get a little bit extreme. And so what I want you to see is that even in a house church, if there's a tongue, there needs to be an interpretation. The interpretation should follow the speaking in tongues. The interpretation is the explaining of what was said. And that's so critical. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. The apostle Peter stood up and explained what God had done on that day. Then it made sense and it brought many people to Christ. See you tomorrow. I want to thank you for watching our podcast today. And if you really liked it, would you please give us a little thumbs up by clicking on that sign down below. And then I would encourage you to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any of our future podcasts because they're all going to be good. And if you would like to support us financially, either with a one-time gift or recurring gift, you can do that by clicking on the link below or going to myfaithroots.com. Thank you so much for watching this program. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.